This podcast is sponsored by Meridian. For custom integrators, it's all about the performance. We get that at Meridian. That's why we craft high-res audio solutions, purpose-built for integrators, that put the listener right at the heart of the performance. High-res audio, engineered for you, built by Meridian. It's the future of sound. Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, a new monthly podcast produced by the Interior Design Community for the Interior Design Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and every month we'll be examining the business issues facing the industry. September is a busy back-to-work month. Holidays are a dim and distant memory, the kids are heading off to school and it's time to gear up for show season with all the innovations, the new ideas and the education opportunities that that brings. From the 15th until the 23rd of September, London is taken over by London Design Festival. What better time then to talk about interior design and home technology? How do the two professions get along? Are we talking more conflict than collaboration? And if so, why so? We'll also look at the showroom experience and find out how to push the right technology buttons for designers. Welcome to the interior design business. Today we're in the heart of luxury design territory and very beautiful it is too. Our home is the fantastic Crestron showroom located on the second floor of that sourcing mecca for the savvy interior designer, the Design Centre in Chelsea Harbour. Later in the show we're going to be talking to the lovely people from Crestron who know about this showroom, how it operates and what works and what doesn't work for interior designers and for integrators. But first, I'm joined by two very special guests. From the world of interior design, I'm delighted to welcome Susie Rumbold of Tasuto Interiors, former president of the British Institute of Interior Design, no less. And from award-winning London integration business ClearSphere, we have director Alistair Ingram. Welcome to you both. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Now, Susie, can you give our audience a quick intro into you and your business? Okay, so I run a little interior design practice called Tessuto Interiors. We're an architectural interior design practice and we're quite unusual in the sense that we don't just operate in one area of the market. We actually do projects across the full range of interior design. So we do some food and beverage, some commercial work, some residential work for developers, some big multi-residential projects for the private rental sector and a lot of high-end residential work as well for private clients. And how is business for you at the moment? Business actually is is really good for us just at the moment. We had a terrible time the 12 months immediately after Brexit, after the vote. And from last summer, so from this time last year, just incrementally, month on month on month, it started to pick up. And what's been really interesting for us is we're not doing the high-end developer work anymore. There doesn't seem to be very much of that on the go. Um, What we've found is that it's been a real swing back to high-end private clients. So we've got London Design Festival coming up, as I mentioned in that intro. Um, how big is that for the team at Tessuto? Oh, it's huge. It's the most exhausting week of the year. There's a whole range of different trade shows that make up the London Design Festival. There's stuff going on all over the city, including places like the V&A, for example. And we very much use it as a, as a source for new ideas, for new products, and to just sort of have a look at what our existing suppliers are doing in terms of moving their ranges on. And Alistair, what about you? Um, so I'm a director of ClearSphere. Uh, we are a London-based home automation installer. We started the business in 2008. Our emphasis is pretty much exclusively on high-end residential in the London area. And most of our installations involve um, Crestron home automation hardware. 
And how is business for you at the moment? Uh, business is good. We have a pretty full order book, but it's probably important to realise the average life cycle of our installations is anything between six months up to sort of five years or more. So we are still delivering on work that we signed up on several years ago. Uh, I agree with what Susie said, that I think that there's possibly a slowdown in the developer-driven end of our market, but uh, private individuals are still very active and there's plenty of work out there to be had. I think that sort of long-term project, that's pretty typical for you too, Susie, isn't it? It can be five, ten years before you... Yes, I mean, the project that I worked on with Alistair, we did an amazing um, ten-bedroom Georgian wreck of a house in Marble Arch, which was 16,000 square feet. It was a big project. But that was five years from beginning to end, five years from, you know, multiple planning consents, and it was just a very technically tricky project. Yeah, it's the nature of that kind of project, listed buildings in central London. There are a lot of boxes to take before you can start work on them, and inevitably, when you start ripping a building like that apart, it can throw up lots of unforeseen issues. So it was a it was a big and complicated project, but I think it was a good house. I think the result great was outcome. great. And, yeah, uh, the clients were thrilled. And, well, I think uh, the, was, the yeah. fact that the two of you have worked together on a, a long project and you're sitting on the sofa happily is a, is a good sign. I think it is. I think yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, we, we generally we really like we do like working with home automation specialists because, and I think this is something that's interesting as the market's moving away from maybe developers, and back to more private clients, private clients have more individualised requirements and so as interior designers we're here to operate as the interface so we will take that client brief and working with the AV installer, not the AV installer but the home automation installer, we will basically interpret the client's requirements so that the AV installer, I've done it again, (laughs) the home automation specialist can actually come up with the systems to satisfy that client's requirements whereas I think with the developers you know it was like oh yeah bung a bit of lighting control in, bung some speakers in the ceilings, job done. Yeah I think it's a yeah it's a box ticking exercise for developers they want to be able to put the uh, sort of the home automation tick on on their their sales sales, literature Uh, but that's certainly not the case with end users I think we have a very good relationship with Tessuto and we work very well together I think that's largely because Susie does understand sort of home automation and what the benefits are that's not always the case with interior designers I think a lot of interior designers see home automation as a necessary or some even as an unnecessary evil and it is a very complicated market. There are lots of different products out there. There are lots of different solutions going right from the very basic things like sort of your Nest and your Hive and Sonos right up to the very high-end stuff that Crestron offer. And it can be quite difficult for an interior designer to actually unpick that and get a clear idea of what's available and what's relevant to the particular job that they're working on. But that's where someone like you comes to the fore because well, exactly. you can you exactly. can then reinterpret. But if I've got someone like Alistair in my corner who can then say to the client, well, in order to satisfy that need, we could approach this in several ways. And, you know, you know what the budget is and therefore we can come up with a solution that really meets that client's needs. The other thing I was thinking was that often interior designers, I know you'll probably back me up on this, don't allocate sufficient space for the gear because all those racks and the bits and pieces have to go... Yeah, I think this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, the importance of having a clear line of communication between the interior designer and the the integrator and the importance of having conversations early on in the project. So the requirements of things like space and sort of functionality are are nailed down early in the job rather than becoming an afterthought. I think another element to bring up here is the fact that, I mean, ultimately, a home automation 
system is designed to enhance an interior, I think this, if, if properly sold and explained, interior designers should be able to realise that a home automation system will enhance their interior. It'll be a benefit and showcase their work. I think all too often it's uh, seen as an unnecessary evil. Do you think it's a, a competitive environment then that often the interior designer and the integrator sometimes they're butting heads because they feel that what the integrator is providing may not necessarily be in the best interest of the designer and vice versa the designer might you know have different yeah I think so I guys. think that yeah and I think that is an element but yeah I mean there's all there's often sort of a budget element to that as well there is a slight element too of, of sort of missing the point because it's not about what's good for the designer and good for the installer it's actually about what's good for the client mm. and I think second generation home automation installers and second generation interior designers who actually are much more professional in their approach and actually are much more focused you know we're all parts of the client's professional team. So we're working for the good of the client towards a set of clear goals. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, the client has an amount of money to spend and a product they're trying to buy and we're there to facilitate that. Sure, I agree, I agree. I think that's very true. So when it comes to a project, are you the person in charge of choosing the integrator to work on it? Quite often, yes, because quite often a client won't know that they need an integrator we're the ones that sort of saying, you know, there are certain things that you're asking us for that we can't provide you with. You need a specialist for this, and we will bring the specialist in. They'll be direct appointment to the client generally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be working under the Tesuto umbrella, but nevertheless, you know, it's very important. So yes, we often will will recommend someone that we think is the best fit personality-wise for, for that client, and someone that will understand that client's requirements. And what level of knowledge does the client expect you to have about technology or home automation? A high level of knowledge, actually. You know, I think we end up being the... We're expected to know everything, <laughs> including where they have their dry cleaning done. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, you, you end up being their sort of go-to resource for, for pretty much everything to do with their project. OK, so you could be involved in a client talking about Wi-Fi as much as TVs, as much as fabrics, as much as Oh, without, without question. I mean, what we do is architectural. So, you know, we're about the interior space. We're not just about the finishes and the effects and the furniture. Okay, so pretty involved in that case. Mm, which is why the projects run for so long. Yeah, there are some very sort of typical areas where the interior designer and the uh, integrator are inevitably going to have to communicate. The classic one for that is lighting. The interior designer would generally deliver us the lighting design that we would produce a lighting control system to communicate with. And also things like joinery, building in televisions, installing speakers, all that sort of stuff. There are lots of different points of contact between the interior designer and the uh, integrator. So just as an example, when we did the, the big house that we were discussing earlier, there were a couple of key areas where we designed pieces of joinery to house um, mechanisms for televisions to kind of, you know, disappear into. And yeah, that and was something we worked, we worked exactly, and we worked yeah. really closely together to make sure that all the technical elements of that particular automotive event yeah. and, and that is quite a technical process to mm, actually be able to design joinery around um, something like that yeah it, it's an area where you know you have to work alongside the interior designer and it's often you know again depending on the interior designer that you're working with often a lot of support from our side is required in order to firstly educate the interior designer on what the system can do so in this particular instance it was a moving panel mechanism the wooden doors opened the tv moved out and then sort of obviously switched on, did the rest of the Crestron thing off the back of uh, one button press. But depending on interior designers, it can be very difficult to communicate that and the benefits of it and also justify the cost of it as well because those sort of automation features aren't cheap. But I think ultimately they have a fantastic benefit to the look and feel of a room. I mean, the, uh, 
the sight of a big grey sort of elephant in the corner of the room, which is your average 17-inch TV, which everybody seems to want these days, can really, really ruin a, a carefully designed interior. So there are lots of points where, as an integrator, you can actually do things that are really going to enhance an interior designer's work. And I think that, you know, if more interior designers saw it from the point of view of Susie and Tasuto, that the benefits are of close integration do have a real benefit to the end product. Many of the pitfalls, which I suspect we'll talk about later, would be avoided. And those pitfalls, I think education is probably one of the the great assets in overcoming it. I think education is key, and I think one of the problems is that uh, if the integrator is too focused on a particular solution, and there's no doubt that in our industry, doing the same thing again and again and again is a very sure way of getting things right and not being faced by sort of problems and issues that can ultimately ruin a client's confidence in the installation you provided for them. I mean, the absolute key mantra to what we do is when we install something, when we deliver it to the client, it has to work and it has to work reliably because if it doesn't, it costs us money and it's, you know, an unhappy client is not what you're looking for. I mean, there's no doubt when problems arise, um, which they always will, it's almost an opportunity to actually demonstrate to the client you know it's not the fact that the problems occurred it's how you you deal with the problem and deliver the solution that really makes a difference so I think it's quite easy for integrators to be too focused on trying to deliver the same thing again and again and again rather than actually trying to fully understand what the interior designer is trying to do and come up with a solution that's really going to meet their their goals so that that sounds true yeah no I think it is very true and I think Again, it's this move away from developer projects and back to private clients where they have more individual sets of requirements that's going to really kind of put you up against it because you're going to have to come up with all these innovative solutions for solving those problems. But I mean, that's almost the fun part Mm. of what we do. And it's especially a benefit for, you know, working with a company like uh, More Hardware from Crestron because of the adaptability of it. And to be honest, even if it's a developer-driven project, ultimately we'll be in front of the end user and trying to tweak and tune the system so it meets the client's, the end user's needs. And that's where Crestron is great because there's so much flexibility in how the um, system operates through software that you can really create a bespoke and neat solution. And in terms of budget, would you say that's the key pressure point where you can often run into conflict issues? between the interior designer and the integrator, Mm. uh, less so, more between the integrator and end-user developer. But then again, end-users are much easier to deal with from that point of view because they're not thinking about the bottom line, they're thinking about the system they want or the the house they want to live in. Uh, Whereas working with a developer, it really is about the bottom line. There's often a lot of value engineering that goes into delivering a final brief before. Actually, uh, one of the points I picked up from one of your earlier podcasts was this bit about having to educate quantity surveyors. I Mm. thought that was really interesting, that the automation budget gets split out. And so when people look at, they assume that what they're looking at from you guys is actually the AV budget. And they're kind of going, how much? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas actually, you know, there's all the building control systems are actually in there as well. And I think perhaps there's an element of requirement for educating other members of the construction team or the professional exactly. team. Yeah, and no, I think it's very good. Again, I mean, we've been trying to use the word home automation rather than AV. I think AV is, so audiovisual, is kind of the fallback term, and it doesn't really fully encapsulate what we do. And we always try and move developer-driven projects away from installing audiovisual systems and emphasise the stuff that you can't really retrofit. So we, we would much prefer to pre-wire for audiovisual 
and install lighting control, heating, air conditioning, security, access control, all those really smart building elements that you can't or are problematic to retrofit, and then install the audiovisual systems later. I mean, it's not expensive to run cable around the building to allow for the future installation of an AV system. And clients have very different requirements. I mean, we have clients that are completely happy with just, you know, one zone of music in the kitchen, and that's all they're interested in, maybe one television in the sitting room, and that's it. Whereas the benefits of being able to control your heating and your air conditioning, your lighting, and all those smart building side of things is really, that's universal benefit to everyone. I mean, that's where you get a comfortable and efficient and, you know, truly smart home rather than just an AV equipped home. And that's where you're infringing on what the plumber, the heating engineer or the yeah, electrician so I mean, we, might be. Yeah, we work with a whole gamut of different trades. So we do, we work with the plumbers, we work with the air conditioning people, we work with the alarm people, we work with the electricians, we work with the interior designers, and the developer, the, the end user. So we have a foot in all of those camps and much in the way that Tesuto do. I mean, we're certainly not just interested in one element of it. And that carries on right the way through to the end of the project because when the end user is pressing the air conditioning button on their Crestron touchscreen and the air conditioning isn't working, their first reaction is, it's a Crestron problem because it says Crestron on this touchscreen I'm pressing, and nine times out of ten it's not that. It's something that's gone on with the air conditioning system, which is completely independent of us. But we are kind of the main point of contact all the way through the project for all these different trades, right down to the end user at the end of the process. So in terms of defining a role for the home technology integrator, let's call them that, do you think that's getting through to end clients, to interior designers and to... Yeah, it's it's got a lot to do with communication, delivering a brief and really helping, you know, from talking to an interior designer and explaining what the options are, what the functionality is, what the benefit is, and then making sure that everybody, I mean, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today was the importance of clear communication between different players in the project. And it's all too easy for one of the things that, you know, that that initial meeting, which is absolutely fundamental when, you know, the ground rules get laid down, realising who's actually responsible, who is the decision maker. You can disseminate information sort of all day long, but unless everybody realises who the ultimate decision maker is and who's actually going to drive the decision, it doesn't really help. And so it's clear lines of communication is absolutely fundamental to the, uh, the success of what we do. And I think it's very easy for people in our industry to to neglect that and I think that all too often when problems find their way into the project it comes down to that first you know a lot of it's to do with listening to the client that's really fundamental we had an example where we had a a lady who likes to come downstairs in the morning and put the radio four on in her kitchen while she makes herself a cup of tea and the home automation system people for that particular job gave her a fancy dab system which meant that she had to come downstairs with her phone so she'd come downstairs without her glasses without her phone put the kettle on put the radio on make us take it back upstairs but all of a sudden she had to remember her glasses and her phone in order to turn the radio on all she wanted to do was to be able to turn the radio on and she'd made this absolutely clear to the home automation people at the outset and they didn't give it to her that's a brilliant example and it and it, really it absolutely destroyed the relationship between that client and that particular installer and it would make me hesitate to use that installer again is that too harsh no i think that's fair i think that's fair and i you know it's not unusual that that sort of requirement is on the list and again it's just very easy to have blinkers on thinking this is the same system we installed before this is the one that we think is best because it does all these singing dancing different things when really if the end user just wants a button on the wall that plays radio for that's what should be provided yeah. and um and again i mean you know the reason clear sphere like using crestron is because 
Crestron can do that. We can program buttons and light switches on anything on the Crestron system to do very basic operations like that. It's just so easy to become blinkered and not really, really pay close attention to what the client's asking for. And it does create frustration. I think that level of trust is really important. Ultimately, your people dealing with people, it's a product or a service that companies like Alistair offer, but it's people dealing with people. Absolutely. And ultimately, it's about lifestyle. You know, we are there to enhance the lifestyle of the occupants of a property. And it isn't about sort of levels of technical complexity and, you know, sort of badges and so forth. It's really about trying to create a easy-to-live-in, efficient comfortable space for the end user to enhance their lifestyle and their experience of their home. Mm. I've met some interior designers, Susan, you you can probably identify who these people are, who just hate anything to do with technology and will do their best to try and avoid it at whatever cost on projects. Do you think that's a realistic position for a designer to take in in front of a client? I really don't think in the 21st century that's a realistic position. Everything is controlled now. You know, even if you may not be aware that it's being controlled, it's all being controlled. And I think interior designers do themselves a disservice. I think they're being incredibly blinkered if they take that attitude. And I just think they're the dinosaurs. I think it's the wrong way to go. I think, well, I, I agree with Susie completely. But I think, again, it's not being able to really communicate what what a system integrator does, what we do. So most high-end residential property these days has a huge gamut of systems in the house. It'll have air conditioning, it'll have heating, it'll have several televisions, it'll have access control, If more often than not it'll have an alarm, it'll have CCTV. And you can just imagine a property with all those different systems in it, but without an integration system that brings it all together. And we see, I mean, we go in to look at properties where, you know, some sort of very expensive wallpaper and nicely finished apartment has six different controls dotted around the door we, we of call each that, room. We call that wall acne. Which is a very, yeah, a very good phrase, and it sums it up. And, I mean, these are the good interior designers who are doing high-spec work, but purely because they have a sort of... A, a terror. A terror of home automation. They don't understand it. They see it as an unnecessary evil that's too expensive. Then they're left with not only a property with controls all over the place, but something that's completely impossible for the end user to use. And that's when, you know, you will find clients who are too afraid to turn the air conditioning on because they don't really understand how to use it. You go into properties where the air conditioning is set to 19 degrees and the heating is set to 20 degrees and the two systems have been running against each other for for years and using huge amounts of electricity and nobody realises. So I think this goes back to kind of where we started. What we do should ultimately be a real benefit to the interior designer. We should help the interior designer showcase their work and we should enhance an interior design rather than make problems and cause issues for the interior designer. So what advice would you have for integrators working with designers? Um, I think that I think listening is absolutely key going back to this idea that it's far too easy to to go in with your mindset of what's required for a project rather than actually fully understanding what the interior designer is trying to do. And communication, really clearly communicating what the functionality of the system is, what the benefits are, why it's going to benefit the the interior design, why it's going to benefit the client, and yeah, really communicating the benefits. Susie, what about for designers working with integrators? What advice would you have? I think, again, it's about communication, so we sound like a pair of broken records. (laughs) No, you can't say that. You've got to say something different. (laughs) (laughs) I really think it's to do with interpreting the client's requirements and translating that back to the installer and saying to the installer, right, this is what I need to make happen for my client. How can you help me? Thank you. That's been brilliant. The Integrated Home Podcast.
Okay, so it's hot seat time. Susie, you've got 30 seconds now to answer as many questions as you can. Ready, steady, go. What is your design inspiration? The V&A. What's your favourite colour combination? Ooh, at the moment, orange and cerulean blue. How do you switch off from the day job? Cooking. Which spaces do you most enjoy designing? Kitchen, bathroom or bedroom? Well, I'm a, an award-winning kitchen designer, so I guess kitchens. If you could own any artwork in the world? Oh. Romeo and Juliet by Rodin. What are you most looking forward to at LDF? When it's finished. <laughs> what makes an interior designer's day? Coming to work. Melbourne or Sydney? Melbourne. <laughs> Best piece of advice that someone ever gave you? Keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Fantastic. Okay, now it's time to talk the showroom experience. What better place to be than the wonderful Crestron showroom here in the design centre of Chelsea Harbour, where we're rubbing shoulders with the likes of Polyform, Colfax and Fowler, Mulberry, Nicky Haslam and many other top design names. I'm joined by Phil Peeney from Crestron's business development team and showroom manager Kate Fawcett to look at how this space works for designers, developers and own clients. Phil, Kate, welcome to the pod. Thank Hi. You. This is an amazing space and I'm intrigued to know what the thinking was behind bringing it here in the first place. Um, the showroom's now coming up into its fifth year. The thought process behind opening it was to be able to show our clients what the home automation control systems look like in a real life environment. And that's really hard to do when the projects that are completed aren't completed by us directly. We have an integrator network that do our installations. And of course, opening their front doors of personal properties up to Joe Public is not something that they're inclined to do. So Robin, our CEO, found this space after about two years of searching in a design mecca that is Chelsea Harbour. And we've got this amazing space that conveys a, a smallish house or a typical kind of London-based apartment with many different features that we offer from lighting to climate control all the way through to distributed audio and video. And uh, yeah, we're really, really lucky. And we've, we've seen an enormous amount of people come through the doors and it's going to be open for the foreseeable future. So the type of people who come here, who, who do you typically bring? Um, me personally, I'm focused on developers and uh, investors into property, mainly within the kind of capital city. Um, and then it's all parties that are part of that process. So very early on, you're pitching at the, the money and the builder themselves. Then, of course, it goes out to tender. So you've got main contractors that will show some attention on understanding what that number is on a QS's spreadsheet. The QS's themselves as part of the subcontractors, MEP contractors, and then of course the integrators will then start bringing the wider team. Finer details start to become interior designers and architects, which is a real nice mix. So we get an eclectic mix of personalities and also backgrounds and specialisms through the door in design team meetings. And what about you, Kate? Is that the same brief for you? I tend to deal with more the walk-ins here. So that might be your end users. It could be interior designers. Um, I would say they're the focus from my point of view. And this space from that scenario lends itself extremely well because when you talk about smart home, I mean, what is a smart home? What can a smart home do? What would it look like? Think about its functionality. And anyone walking in here can straight away see you press a button, X, Y, Z happens, or you say a command and certain things happen. So they can actually live the experience and see what it could look like and what could happen in their home. And from the interior side of you, aesthetically seeing as well the look and feel of our products. 
I guess that journey is super important to get across technology, which often is concealed or, or just hard to understand without people referring to consumer gadgets that they typically use. Exactly. And most people that walk in the showroom that I deal with often think we sell sofas because uh, you do walk in here and you don't think straight away oh wow it's a technology but that whole principle of, again of pressing one button or saying command or having a small touch screen on the wall and pressing functionality on there and seeing how the space can transform is a huge benefit for us. What sort of questions do people typically ask when, when you're giving them a tour of the showroom? How much space does it take up is one of the first. Um, so from a developer perspective, it's all to do with space planning. So they're mainly conscious about the size of equipment. Uh, you'd be surprised that those that will look at a 600 by 600 rack footprint and obviously say that that's either too big or a washer-dryer would have to be sacrificed for an AV rack to go in, so to speak. But there's also other elements where you're talking about how big a processor is, what ceiling speakers look like, the footprint of a keypad, a back box, those kind of things. So we do get down to the design detail as well as what it looks like aesthetically at the front end. So is that the same for you from end clients and designers? Not typically, um, maybe because they don't know about the rack space or that there might be some area that is needed for that. So typically an end client will ask me what it will look like and want to see product examples. Quite often people will ask me what can you control, where are, if there are any limitations, what we can integrate into or what we can't integrate into. And they'd like to know quite often, which is a very difficult question, sometimes a price range. And that is one of the hardest questions to ask. But then when you start to explain what the system can do and how far you can take it, but also how you can, it's all scalable. It doesn't have to be the whole home. It can be one room. It can be two rooms. It can be three rooms or it can be the whole home. When you start talking like that, they understand that asking questions about price is a difficult question. And until we've seen floor plans or got a better idea what they're wanting to do and control in their home we can then obviously give them a better idea from the price point of view. And in that sort of context how aware are they that this kind of technology needs to be professionally installed? Again um, some people are very aware some people think ah I can get our friend from across the road who's an electrician or something like that would be able to install it obviously again when you start to explain the process again they understand actually the install needs to be through the legitimate ways um, so therefore everything is covered and we know who's installing it is going in the right way and therefore they should have an incredible system by the end of it. So I guess Phil you want to be protective of the Crestron brand in those situations? Absolutely and, and designing it from beginning to end we've got about 4,000 odd products in our inventory from lighting dimmers all the way through to keypads and control touchscreens but being the last brand on the wall via a keypad or a touchscreen or even an iPad app People assume that everything is Crestron and in that instance we have to be protective of that to ensure that everybody or everything that sits on that system or is, is controllable and, and is controlled in the right way. And I guess the sort of work that you do and the people that you bring here, you want integrators to be involved in that design team that does come and visit the showroom. Absolutely. So. Typically, a consultant is brought on very early um, and we get called the AV package, which is really quite narrow when it's a, it's a much more of a broader system. In fact, it's more environmental control that we get involved in on day one with lighting, heating and climate and some door entry access control. So the bits that people don't see and they're often actually the most important that can cause the most frustrations. You know, today's day and age, you should be able to adjust the lighting scene. You should be able to adjust climate. The two systems shouldn't fight each other put all these expensive windows and insulation systems in a property but the air conditioning and underfloor heating are on at the same time with Crestron that doesn't happen. Okay and I guess 
the education process, I mean, that's part of what you're doing here, isn't it? We, we talked with Susie and Alistair about that earlier. Do you feel that people go away from here actually understanding what technology is all about? Definitely. When you walk them through the showroom and you show how everything is talking together, sometimes people might say, well, I've got an app to control this, I've got an app to control that, which I know there are the ability to do certain things like that. But those apps aren't talking to one another. In here, you can show and educate people that actually, if everything talks to one another, then the system is going to run incredibly smoothly. And also, you're going to have a truly bespoke system where you can press one button when you go on holiday, know that your heating is off, know that lights will come on sporadically, blinds and curtains can go up and down, know that your alarm is set. You can know you have that peace of mind. And I think it's showing people how that works within the showroom and that way you can educate. Um, at one help people understand because it is a, not always the simplest of topics and so therefore you need visual representation which is what the showroom does provide. Would you agree Phil? Absolutely I think from the broad spectrum of people that visit they have a, a, a level of knowledge I think we've done incredibly well here in the last five years to definitely make the industry understand a little bit more about what we do even down to people like a QS that sees a number on a spreadsheet that turns around and says that's a big number what's it doing and why but actually there's a lot of subtractions that you've got to take off and this this definitely leads to that education platform we've done lots of training through here that will enable people to see how it operates what it does and why from you know people that are operating show suites all the way through to customer service representatives right at the end so how else do you go about enhancing the experience of visiting Crestron? It's not just about showing them technology. You do a lot more to make this a destination, don't you? Absolutely. Um, we always want to participate within the Design Centre events. So there's two major events every year, London Design Week and Focus, which happen March and September. And we always go headfirst into these because it's a great way for us to involve ourselves with the design community. We will hold talks in here, sometimes not always about technology, but a way just as a nice environment to bring people into. But also we'll also show people within the um, week-long events how actually the technology and the design community are very linked. And I think sometimes we're seen as an outsider, but when people come to our talks and we talk about existing projects or certain aspects to do with the design world, people see the correlation between the two. So we always like to involve ourselves within these events. But also our integrators will use this space and we like to host events for them. We might hold our own CPDs. There's different areas that we use this space, not just for tours. It is really a space that can be utilised in a multiple different ways. What about you, Phil? Do you use it for the same sort of things? Or presumably developers are a bit different, aren't they? They are. They're, they're more planned meetings, normally kind of months or weeks in advance to ensure that every stakeholder is going to be present. We used to have a big boardroom table up at the, the showroom where we used to sit people down and formally run through things. And we actually removed that, which I was quite annoyed about for a period of time. But actually, it's made it a lot more sociable. We've got a great kitchen and actually everybody's then part of the showroom experience. And they're, they're going through it in the live versus actually sitting at a table and discussing it and bringing in products every now and then. We're actually out. And we've got a great product area. So versus taking things out of walls and seeing what's behind it or letting a cable fall back down behind we actually can bring a touch panel out of a drawer and show them the physical footprint on the back the cable connection types the back box and all those little intricate details that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do in a fully finished building and how important is london design festival as a way of generating traffic for the showroom 
It's a really good way, actually, for us. Um, it brings in people that perhaps wouldn't have stepped through our doors. And because of the events that we hold during, for example, Focus that's coming up, we've got a few events happening there. That's a great way for people who haven't either been to the design centre or have been to the design centre and weren't fully aware of Crestron. And we always, firstly, for the events coming up, we're trying to show again that connection between the design world and technology as well. And those events for us are key for bringing through the right calibre of people to the showroom. So what have you got happening here at LDF this year? So we've got a few events taking place this year for Focus. We have got Rebecca Weir, who is the founder and director of Light IQ. She is going to be doing pop-up talks in the showroom, talking about the latest in lighting technology. So we're doing 15-minute catch-up talks. That's going to be on Tuesday. Um, following that on the Wednesday, we are also showing people how bespoke you can make the technology look. And we've partnered with some of the other showrooms in the design centre. So we partnered with Worcester's Leather, Altfield and Davidson. And we're actually showing people how we can wrap our products in different fabrics and materials to really blend in aesthetically in the home. So some of our touchscreens we're wrapping in beautiful leathers, our keypads in incredible fabrics to blend in with the wool fabric. And I think it'll be an amazing collaboration to show people just how far you can take it. I think the displays will be really worthwhile to see and a good representation of the ability of customising the technology and our products as well. So there is a, a bit of drilling and work going on here at the Design Centre, as our audience can probably hear during the show. won't interfere with what Crestron's doing at Focus. How can people book to attend? For Focus, if you go to the Design Centre website, there is a drop-down list of all the different workshops taking place during the week. And we are mentioned in there um, with our workshops on the Tuesday and Wednesday. Alternatively, you can visit Eventbrite. Crestron and all the information of our timings and our events are also on there. And to book a place to come and see you at the showroom? So to come and see me at the showroom, best to email showroom at crestron.eu and then we can take it from there. And Phil, I understand that Crestron are also involved as part of the Cedia Talks at 100% Design. Absolutely, Nick Victor from our residential team is presenting on the Thursday. Full programme there, be a great intro for anybody who wants to find out more about technology. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you, Phil and Kate and Crestron, for making their showroom available to us today. Thanks, too, to our wonderful guests, Susie and Alistair. Thanks also to the kings of high-res audio for the home, Meridian Audio, our pod sponsor. Remember, we're downloadable absolutely free from iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, and pretty much all your favourite podcast providers. We're also available to everyone on Spotify. 